0: I'm Kate Daniels. Mental health, mental illness. This is such a pressing issue in our community, really in our country as well. And we need to talk about it, learn about it, and really make important life-saving strides. So I'm grateful that Chuck Potrykis has agreed to be back with us again to discuss this. Chuck is a licensed mental health counselor with Pacific Medical Centers here in the Puget Sound, and he's passionate about helping people. It is all of us because we are all touched by this in one way or another by mental illness. So this morning, Chuck is with us to look more closely at the people in the tech field. I think we're all in for a good education and resulting understanding and compassion. Chuck Petrikas, good morning and thank you so greatly for being with us once again.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure.
0: I so appreciated the fact that we had an opportunity not that long ago to have kind of a broad conversation about the situation in our community, our larger community, with mental illness and mental health issues. And uh, because it's not just a, a small part of life, it really is so much bigger, you and I decided We wanted to have another conversation, so here we are. And we're going to this time have a little more specific lens focused on mental health issues. And uh, this really taking a look at tech workers. So perhaps you can kind of give us the, the bigger picture outlook on this, Chuck.
1: Yeah. Well, I think anyone who's lived in Seattle for a while knows that. The last 15 years or so has been um, a big time of change with the city's industrial tech and population um, demographics. Uh, There's just been an uptick of tech companies uh, coming into the Seattle area. It used to be kind of Silicon Valley, and and San Francisco was the big hub for this sort of thing. But it's really expanded up north, and... um, changed the the city in in pretty dramatic ways. Um, it used to be this sort of bohemian, post-grunge vibe, um, a younger uh, population, and and that those those sort of two demographics are rubbing shoulders right now, and we're seeing you know interesting trends um, in the housing market, in traffic, in construction. Um, And, you know, where I work, I'm seeing it uh, in the mental health arena, Uh, men and women, mostly males coming in um, who are feeling stressed, feeling anxious, and just not being able to cope. I see a lot of different people at PACMED as a therapist. Um, But, yeah, just focusing on this subgroup today feels important, feels like something I feel like needs to get talked about. It uh, can't be talked about enough because it seems to be productivity over health. And I think when money speaks, when growth is happening, uh, mental health, well being, and quality of life get kind of pushed to the side. So, uh, yeah, just happy to sort of talk more about that today with you,
0: So, again, thank you for doing the work and for wanting to take the time to discuss it and share this really important area uh, with all of us so that we can become um, more aware. And I think with our awareness, perhaps we can help to uh, be part of a solution or a solution maybe in terms of a, a listening ear or just more understanding.
1: Yeah, I think this is where it starts. I think Uh, we talk about it. We give it voice. We give it shape. Uh, We kind of call attention to something that isn't getting talked about. Whether it's a controversial matter, I think it it gets people talking. And when everybody's talking about it, we have a chance to make an impact and sort of begin to have this on our mind, Um, think about where it relates to us, where it relates to people that we know, our work environment, uh, relatives, and that sort of thing. And I think what's happening, just to go a little deeper into this, is that, you know, we don't have the workforce to sort of support what the uh, tech industry has needed in terms of expertise um, and skill sets in this area. So there's a lot of workers who are coming internationally uh, from across America. It's sort of that boomtown effect that's happening uh, when you have, you know, you hit oil you bring in people from all around and it changes the landscape. It sort of happened in North Dakota with the, the uh, oil boom up there. It really changed the small towns that had existed for so long um, and really changed the scope for better or for worse. And that's what's sort of happening. And with that population diversity, um, cultural diversity, you have people who are leaving familiar places, they're leaving families, uh, they're leaving familiar territory and and sort of coming over here and having to start from scratch, uh, sometimes with a small family, sometimes single. But within that shift, you have uh, like loss of your tribe. You have loss of affiliation. And I think when that happens, it's so much harder to deal with issues when they come up. And it's one of the biggest indicators of resiliency and sort of the bounce back effect after something bad happens is do you have community? Do you have a tribe in order to um, take care of this with you? Do you have that affiliation? Do you have other people who are holding this alongside of you? And if you do, the outcomes are much better uh, with resiliency and, and feeling better in a shorter amount of time. But what you have now is you have a lot of isolation within the city. I think America is a fragmented country as it is. But in Seattle, especially over the last 15 years, there's been that doubling effect of it. And where you used to have too many therapists per capita, you don't have enough therapists. So there's there's a shortage, and there's a lot of people out there who are asking for help, which is a good thing, but uh, unfortunately not, not the kind of workforce in the uh, psychotherapeutic department to meet the demand.
0: Wow, that is so much information. That is so much going on. And one thing that occurs to me in your sharing all of this with us, Chuck, is the question of whether this influx of these talented individuals, when they are coming here, it's exciting because they're getting this great job. Is there the awareness that, oh, there might be these pitfalls or do they get into it and then realize that there's all these stressors and that they just don't have that community. They don't have that tribe that they need.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question. And, and that sort of onboarding process probably differs from company to company. But a good company is going to be able to set you up with housing. It's going to give you um, cultural um, sort of ambassadors. Sometimes that's offered language services, services, um, But depending on the company, but a lot of times it is, here's an opening. We have an extremely competitive, fast-growing industry. You don't have a lot of time to think, weigh your options out. It's like if you don't decide, somebody else wants your job. And I think that sort of feature alone sort of sets the tech industry apart from other jobs right now because if I'm underperforming, if I don't want to work an 80-hour week, which is not uncommon in the tech industry right now. If I don't want to do that, somebody else will. So I've got to sort of rise to that level of performance. If I want to keep my job and there's a sort of from, from the patients I work with uh, they're saying there's, there's sort of a a badge of honor with working those 80 hour weeks and sort of killing yourself for a company um, to going to town and uh, really, really throwing yourself in there. That's, that's a team player. That's, somebody who really is dedicated to this, but that's just not sustainable over time. I mean, maybe a few people can do that, but the, the mass of tech workers will suffer from anxiety, insomnia, um, suicidal ideation, uh, any number of different things that start to crop up when you're neglecting um, your family, or your, you're neglecting your health, and just general well-being by, by working that kind of um, breakneck speed.
0: So, this is not sustainable. It's that work life balance is all out of kilter. Um, at the, you know, if it, it c- continues like that, we're going to have this breakdown going on with a, a number of individuals. A company doesn't want that happening, do they?
1: Right. It, to me, it's hard to get my head around this because, as a company, you want productivity out of your workers. You want sustainability and it's counter effective to have your workers burning themselves out and not feeling well mentally and physically, you know, that's sort of shooting yourself in the foot and maybe there's such a surplus of workers. They feel like, well, if this person gets tired, we'll, we'll put somebody else in. And it's also that feeling of I'm unreplaceable, I'm expendable. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't leave the, the patients I work with with a sense that they're really valued by their company or that, uh, them being there, their seniority matters that much. Um, you know, certainly it's a diverse industry. There's so many different kinds of jobs and generalizing a lot, but I'm talking about the trends. I'm talking about, you know, the majority of these uh, developers, programmers, uh, designers, engineers who are really feeling it, you know? And I think, in that mode, physically, what it does to you too is it raises your adrenaline when you're you push that hard. It raises uh, cortisol, which is a stress chemical. Cortisol is something that increases inflammation, and if you have increased inflammation. It decreases your immune system. Uh, you're going to be more likely to be sick. Uh, you're going to be a less productive worker. You're going to be taking more time off. And the way in which you're talking about your company is certainly not helpful to the the reputation of that company on a street level and a level that you talk to your friends and family about it. So it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I am kind of mystified by it.
0: So that is not something that we're going to solve right now. But it's such an important awareness. And hopefully, you know, by sharing these stories, you know, bringing in the spotlight on what's going on, maybe this will bring an awareness of things that we can do or, you know, somehow make comments about this and try to create a change because ultimately it's only going to be the best for everyone involved, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think at some point the market will flatten. Uh, you'll see, you know, less volatility in startups and in the tech industry around here, but we're just not there yet. And until that happens, It really does seem important that we talk about this and and we help people run endurance races, uh, not sprints. Certainly, just even for the rates of suicide in this industry are are much higher. And, you know, we should be concerned uh, when we talk about this, not just of stress, not of just insomnia, but but people ending their lives because of the pressure and uh, the fear of failure.
0: Oh, that is just heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. Yes, we do not want that sort of thing. And in the midst of that, too, it's just a ripe area for addictions, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're working 60-hour, 80-hour a week, and the nature of the tech industry is sort of it. jobs come in, in chunks and in contracts. And so the work happens very quickly in a small amount of time and very densely. So whatever it takes to keep you up, whether that be... Adderall or cocaine, whether it be drinking, whether it be opioids. We're also seeing an uptick in in benzo benzodiazepines, uh, Xanax, basically. And and the harm that's causing, that's just sort of across the board in our country. But then you may have have a higher amount of addictions when it comes to the the tech industry because the enormous amount of pressure and performance that you need to sustain.
0: So at least you are seeing some of these people... Who, as you said, are primarily men? At least they—they're reaching out for some kind of help. And what do you find? Are, is there in? You said there aren't enough therapists for one. But when you work with these individuals, can you see that progress is made? That they begin to get on a more kind of balanced footing?
1: Yeah, and I—I I think it is some long work sometimes. But I think how I approach it, how PacMed and other therapists might approach it, is you're just building awareness, saying, look what's happening. And then I think it's also saying, you know what, good work for coming in, good work for signaling that you needed help, good work for saying that you can't do this alone, because you can't, nobody can. And I think there is a step of courage that it takes to say, hey, I'm not doing well. I need help. Things aren't working here. Because I think that vulnerability can't be talked about enough uh, either because to admit struggle is almost a mark of failure. Um, to say, I can't do it, I'm not strong enough, that can bring a lot of shame to people, and they're, they're not always willing to do it. And I, I especially think with our male population, we just struggle with that sort of don't ever let them see you bleed attitude. And it is killing us. So I validate and sort of congratulate some of these guys coming in for just showing up and saying, I can't do it. And just even that is uh, a first step towards starting to feel better and talking about what's going on with somebody, a safe person. There's no retribution. And it it may not be something you can share with your family or friends. They might not get it or they might not be available. So um, I am hopeful of what I'm seeing in my office and with other people as far as um, people reaching out and and saying, this is a big deal, this is a change.
0: And so when they have that kind of a reception from you, does that help to really uh, energize them to want to keep going forward and feel hopeful?
1: Well, I think I start with the bottom line of what is it going to mean for you to be healthy? And what do we need to potentially, in the long run, sacrifice in order to achieve that? Because what's happening right now, you just can't, can't go in this way. Something's got to change. And, and I'm not proposing that, you know, you necessarily have to quit. We have to build in routines. And I think this goes for everybody, but especially if you're working long hours. It means getting up from your screen, unplugging, going outside, breathing, finding nature, even if it's just a small amount of a lawn, a tree, but that connection to nature, that intention of stepping away from the screen, unplugging, even just for 10 or 15 minutes, is going to be able to raise your circulation levels in your body. Your brain functions uh, more holistically, and you're just going to be a more energized, productive worker if you're building in those breaks and making your mental health just as important as a deadline over here. And I think if tech companies are smart, they're gonna encourage their workers to start doing this because they're gonna see, they're gonna become more productive, more happy, and, and less burning out across the board. So it really is that discipline of noticing when you're not doing well. If your irritability is spiking, that's a sign of depression sometimes. That's not just anger. You know, If you are isolating from your friends and family, that's a red flag. If you are watching too much TV, if you're sleeping too little, too much, I mean, these are all small indicators, uh, weight loss, weight gain, just say we're not doing well, and maybe I need to sort of change up a, a behavior routine. Uh,
0: that kind of awareness, it feels as though it's so simple, but yet, um, if there's this kind of mask that's been tossed around and especially focused on the male population to just be tough and, you know, kind of suck it up to be told, you know, get this balance in there and here are some, what sounds like simple ways to do it so that you can, you know, take these breaks, something like that. And it's going to be healthy.
1: Yeah. I think this makes better families. I mean, I think this makes better cities, better communities. And I think once again, um, it's something that we all need to kind of come together with. It's something that, you know, whenever I get a chance to do a talk at a tech company, do a lunch and learn. Like I think it's the way in which uh, these companies are inviting people from the outside to say, we don't know how to do this. We're not mental health experts. We just know this is happening. And I think to encourage that sort of openness, that sort of visibility, and start to reduce the stigma around asking for help doing a therapy, uh, taking breaks. I think that stigma reduction um, is something that I'm hoping changes, and I'm I'm kind of advocating for that all the time.
0: And it's heartening to hear that you are being invited to speak, and this is something that you're doing and that pac is supporting and making available to companies.
1: Yeah, I, I did it in other companies and other places, and I think one way that Pac-Med's doing this is through TV appearances, through radio shows like this. You know, we're always pushing to hire more mental health therapists uh, to set up more locations just to make things available for people. Um, it's just a small thing that we're, we're pushing to be able to do, um, but it's a slow process, and it just really does come down to getting the word out there and, you know, hopefully these conversations spark on a, on a personal level with people.
0: That's certainly the great hope. And so, someone listening, whether they identify with it for themselves, maybe they think of a friend, a partner, uh, a family member, would they contact PacMed for this to get help? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think if you, depending on your insurance, I think certainly PacMed, Providence, Swedish, uh, we're all under the same umbrella. Um, we take mental health very seriously, both to the community, but within my company, I feel like I'm being taken care of within their boundaries that they set and the ways that they, they make sure that we're not burning ourselves out. So I think that, that company culture is also important, you know, as you provide services, but yeah, certainly getting on the phone and and seeing if your insurance is right for Pac-Med. If not, I also point them towards uh, psychology today. If you go to psychology today, find a therapist, you put in your zip code, and it's sort of a Facebook of therapists, and it pops up with private practice therapists and their pictures, their profiles, what they treat, their populations. And then on the left-hand side, you can click in your insurance type, uh, maybe specializing in children or specializing in whatever. You can customize the filters on the left, and it, and it pops out all these results that are close to you. And so I just think just getting help, uh, just starting from somebody is better than nothing. Um, sometimes uh, our wait list can be long. And so it's just important that people just get proactive and, and start seeing somebody, um, even if it's, it's just for a referral.
0: So definitely take advantage of that. Another piece of what feels like... A- we need to be aware of, and maybe all of us can be part of of a solution here. There's a term that I was not familiar with until I was reading some notes preparing for our conversation this morning. That's the Seattle Freeze. What is this, Chuck?
1: <laughs> well, I, I think people have been uh, around a little while. Just know that Seattle has a reputation for. It being a little icy to new people. And that was before this tech boom happened. And what I see happening is that that's sort of increasing. I don't think it's because we're unfriendly. I think we're a quiet, introverted type. But I think that divide gets greater when we have a sense that the identity of the place that we've been living in now is changing, and we don't know it like we used to. So we're less likely to say hi, we're less likely to extend ourselves, and the tendency to draw in and uh, sort of stay in your lane gets worse. And I think there might even be a stigma sometimes um, with the old Seattle Guard and the new Seattle tech workers. There might be a sense that you're not welcome because you're driving up the housing market and you make three times as much as this person over here. And so what used to be, you know, a quiet old neighborhood with such a good old watering hole in it now has become condos, now has become, you know, a record store and it's turned into an upscale grocery store. So it's just the nature of the beast. You know, I I think California has come North to us and, and we're doing our best I think to adjust to that.
0: So again, having this awareness and realizing how that can come across. It's not healthy for ourselves to then kind of pull ourselves back that way and realize that, you know, get these masks and that camouflage off and realize, you know, how we really have so many ways that we are more alike than not.
1: Yeah, and I I think for listeners, I would encourage you just to challenge yourself to say that these people coming from out of town – they're good people. You know, they're lonely. They're in a sense, uh, looking for community, looking for connection. They just need those bonds. They they need that support as much as they can get. And I think over time, you know, we're going to have to figure out who we are and embrace that. And as we sort of catch up with the change, um, yeah, I just, encourage people to start conversations and and ask people how they're doing and what their life is like and what's going on in that tech world. What are some of the pressures? And I think when that happens, you get a cross pollination. Uh, You get empathy started when conversations are started. And it's even sort of educating uh, maybe new people on who we are and who we used to be. And the kinds of trends and stuff that we're used to and stuff that we miss or that we want to see, you know, that's worked for us. I get it. But uh, I think it doesn't help to just put a stamp or a label on people um, before we've gotten to know them.
0: Oh, for sure. There's so much to be gained. I mean, we can grow so much and, and make our life just so much more vibrant, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think if we change the paradigm on this and look at, wow, look at all the different culture that's coming into the city. Look at all the the diversity of thought. Our city is becoming very eclectic and it's new, but man, there could be a huge opportunity to have different kinds of businesses here, to have different kinds of uh, people and backgrounds and uh, modes of thought. And I think this could be just as much a doom and gloom as it could be like a welcome change. A refreshing of our city, maybe that's needed.
0: Sounds great to me. (laughs) (laughs) This has just been so eye opening and heart opening too, I feel. So much for us to become aware of. I think, you know, once again, we're just kind of scratching at the surface, but I believe it's food for thought, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly not a comprehensive uh discussion, I think. This is there's a lot of complexities here and um I think I'm just doing my best to flag what's happening in my office, what I see going on in the city, what other people I know are seeing, and um, just to continue the conversation, just to uh, be able to expand out from here, challenge ourselves a little bit, I think, with the discussion last time about the homeless population. Once again, uh, who is your neighbor? You know? We are all coexisting here. We're all sharing space, and we have this gap between us that says you're different. And I don't know you, and I wouldn't know what to say to you, and you're alien to me in some way. But how quickly that veneer falls down as soon as we just start talking, you know. And I just think there's a lot of power to personal connection, especially in our digital era of uh, social media. We can't encourage that enough either.
0: So I appreciate so much that you have this kind of passion and heart for the work that you do, Chuck, that it's not really work. You just really want to make a difference in the world.
1: I guess so. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, I I hear the same thing from uh, the tech workers. They want to make a difference. And that is a huge uh, mantra in their, their business model. And I think that's also very interesting, and I think, yeah, a lot of pleasure in, in helping people, but there's there's a lot of hard stories. There's a lot of pain here, and um, it's not easy work, but but I, I think knowing that I'm seeing change, that I see differences. I see people open up and, and get better and kind of come out of isolation and into um, into the company of other people and open themselves up and, and talk about struggle. I think that, to me, is the most encouraging thing. And I just think it's, yeah, it's the start. It's scratching the surface. And I appreciate the time to be able to come on and talk about it with you, Kate.
0: Well, again, I do appreciate that you are so willing and have this experience that you're willing to share with us. So many thanks and really continue doing this great work that you do.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And
0: you too, Kate. Well, thank you. So now let's turn our attention to the Sunday morning shout out. A shout out to PAWS, the Progressive Animal Welfare Society, which is such an incredible nonprofit organization helping animals, but also making a difference in people's lives, enriching lives, enriching the community. PAWS is a champion for animals, rehabilitating injured and orphaned wildlife sheltering and adopting homeless cats and dogs and educating people to make a better world for animals as well as people then. PAWS is always in need of volunteers and financial support. Visit PAWS.org to learn more and find ways to be involved. One of the great ways to be involved is with this annual event – coming up very, very soon now, just days away, that is the Paws Walk. It's back on Saturday, September 7th, happening at Seattle's Magnuson Park. Join your friends and a thousand other generous folks who want to help animals in need, just like you do. Go to pawswalk.net to sign up today. Funds from Paws Walk support the expert care Paws gives to more than 8000 thousand dogs cats and wild animals each year pawswalk has food trucks dog activities and entertainment for the entire family and also adoptable dogs yes you can adopt right there if you're an animal lover and you must be pawswalk is right for you register now at pawswalk.net So here you have many, many opportunities to support a great local organization, to protect animals, and potentially discover a new fur family member. Visit paws.org to discover more ways to make a positive difference in our world.